Welcome back to Operation Opera. Elise and I had a lovely chat with Irish soprano Maraid Buick all about being an artist and a mother and working in the UK and working together as artists and it was a lot of fun. Enjoy. I mean, it's just hard sometimes, I think, as a parent to leave them behind. I find that part of it hard, as you know, but that's part of our career as well and I get that, you know. Yeah, I, I yeah. haven't spent too much time, like I usually do drag him with me right and yeah. often you can yeah. and sometimes you really can't but yeah yeah and when you can it's in some ways it's great because then you're all together but in other ways it's really hard because you you often don't have the space that you need to practice or That's exactly hard, it, yeah. right yeah so you have to kind of yeah exactly it's a real vicious circle it's so hard to know and I think you know you're always trying to find the right balance and it's just one of those things you just do your best and you kind of have to accept that, that you just do your best and that's what you're trying to do, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I personally, like I have lots of friends that are, you know, opera singers, obviously, and some of them have, you know, very young kids, like babies, you know, um, primarily. And um, I just personally, for me, I couldn't do it. I couldn't be away from them too much. It's just, I just feel these years are so precious anyway. They fly by so quickly that I just don't want to be away from them from, for six weeks at a time. It's just, I just couldn't do it. I don't think I would have the strength to, to be away from them for that long, you know, yeah. unless I could have them with me, like what you're saying, Rachel, you know. But then again, you know, that can bring its own problems as well. If you're going to be in, a, you know, an opera rehearsal every day from like 10 until 6 and sometimes till half nine at night, you know, how much are you going to see them then as well? And you to be fair to everybody, I suppose, it's just a real tricky one to balance, I think. Why do you suppose it's a, like most major opera houses don't have a schedule until the day of, right, or the night before? Yeah. Why? Why is it so hard to schedule? I think it's <laughs> well, it's a, it's it's directors. That's I, I you know the director really. Like from my experience, you know, when I would have worked full time in an opera house, like you're at the mercy of the director all the time, I think, yeah. even more so than the conductor. You know, it's like, I don't know what way it works in the States, but certainly in the UK, like I would have worked a lot at English National Opera and it was just the director had had the real power. You know, it was whatever his call was, what he wanted the call to be next day even the afternoon that evening sometimes you'd be told like in the afternoon rehearsal what's happening that e that evening you know mm. um so it's just one of those things I think and that's the nature of you know rehearsing opera it's so kind of it's well it's just a bit all over the shop sometimes I think yeah I wonder if it has to be that way like I wonder I mean I was thinking about this the other day because we have a friend actually that we're going to to speak with on the podcast on on our podcast in a, in a few weeks who's been yeah. sending out the stories of mothers and their experiences mm -hmm. in opera houses and I was and I was curious Marie to sort of what, some of your thoughts on this too and talking yeah. about like why why I wonder why we don't have like an actual singers union that 
make sure that we can have a schedule given to us, you know, for our families to, I mean, we have agma, right? We have, we have something, but, but why not something that makes our working hours like set and right? Like, wouldn't that just be like life changing? (laughs) Yeah, it would, it would be completely life changing. I think the only hope of doing that would be in somewhere like Germany. You know, I think Germany probably are they like probably, their schedules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're kind of more. But I think for the UK and certainly in Ireland as well, like it's just all over the place, you know, and they just don't. I wouldn't say they don't. Well, they don't care, actually, you know, and even, <laughs> you know, I mean, when I worked a lot at English National Opera, I didn't have kids. So for me, I was kind of a free agent. So it was much easier for me to say, oh, yeah, that's fine or whatever, you know. Sure. But like I I remember one of the like leading ladies a lot of the time who would have been a big star in, in the UK, Amanda Rucroft is her name. And actually, she's, uh, funny enough, since then, she actually has given up singing mm. um, and she's only she's just turned 50 now. And she was incredible. Like she was she sung in the she has sung in the Met. She sung blind in Blindborn. She was a really big star, but she was just a bit exploited vocally and everything very young, I think. But like used to come to the point where we'd be in rehearsals for especially when I remember we did, did Peter Grimes and she was singing Ellen Orford and she used to have her three boys sometimes just in the dressing room with her, yeah. like in uh, because they wouldn't tell her the schedule and she was separated or divorced you know and so when she had her boys she had her boys and that was it and you know so sometimes she used to used to have to bring them to the opera house and they used to sit in her dressing room while she was on stage singing and just like play computer games or read their books or you know and it was kind of sad in some ways you know because they were like from the age of about six to maybe 11 or something like it's not really where a kid wants to hang around you know it's fairly you know like it's not really the most exciting place I mean, for who wants to sit <laughs> backstage for hours and hours i mean i don't like nobody exactly. wants to but if you're a young boy not even like singers want to do that yeah, exactly like they want to go out you know. and you know throw a football around or so i, I do think it's sports. definitely an issue definitely i do think it's an issue and i think it's very frustrating especially for female singers yeah and i and i wonder i i wonder like you're talking about this wonderful soprano who who ended up you know, leaving the industry early. And I wonder how much does the art suffer when people who are, you know, multi, multi-dimensional, right? They have their life as a, they have their life as an artist, they have their life as a person. And when, you know, when, when the person has to make a decision for the benefit of, you know, more than just themselves, like that's right and so they have to they have to step away from from the career yeah. i feel like i feel like the art actually suffers i don't know what do you think of course it does no it, it def i definitely think it does it's like it's just that question you know all the time of you know can you can you have it all can you do it all and Look, I suppose it's one of those things where you need an incredible team of people behind you in order to do it all and to feel good about doing it all. Um, But I do think definitely for females, I think the art probably does suffer. I mean, I've seen it hundreds of times where you see them going on stage, you know, like from 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 that, from my experience, even with Amanda Rucroft and she's so so stressed going on stage you know in a rehearsal and she's trying to take on what the director's asking you to do and what the conductor's you know shouting and do this and do 
And, you know, like, and probably at the back of her mind is like, okay, well, my three kids are down in my dressing room. You know what I mean? How can you concentrate 100%? Absolutely. It's like, and I've got to get them food. They haven't had dinner yet. Yeah. And And it's like, (laughs) yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, I'm sure you've heard of the, the, the mezzo Sarah Connolly, who's a very famous, you, um, um, she's a very famous English mezzo-soprano, like she's, she's like a huge star. Mm-hmm. And anytime you meet her and say, oh, hey, how are you? She's like, the first thing she'll tell you is, oh, my God, my son hates me because mm-hmm. he never sees me, you know, and I just think oh. that is so sad yeah. that like that's always her, like her first line when you meet her, like my, my son hates me. And I, that happens so much when you meet like female opera singers, the first thing they say is, Mom, my children hate me. And I'm just like, Jesus, I never want that. I don't want to be that person. But yeah. then, you know, they're there and they're trying to work and they're trying to, they work so hard for this career, you know, they don't want to let it go. And I get that. But like, it's just so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. But um, yeah. anyway, and I don't think opera houses are that supportive, you know. I think there's measures that could be put in place that would really be like really positive yeah for, i suppose yeah let's talk and about male. that let's talk about that because yeah be the change you want to see in the world <laughs> but i don't know like okay. what are those kinds of measures that could be put into place like what i mean uh, yeah it's hard to know yeah I mean, what i mean suppose there could be like you know um like in major opera houses and big opera houses, they could certainly have, I think, daycare. Yeah. You know, or something where they have like an association or a connection with a daycare that is really close to the opera house. Or I think like this day and age, I think that's completely possible, you yes. know? Yes. If you're somebody that has a, a big family and this opera house really wants you to sing a certain role or whatever, well then let's make it happen by creating the, the right environment for everybody, you know? I mean, every I feel like in the 21st century, people are required in pretty much every other, you know, profession to, to offer something, yeah. whether it's, you know, yeah. money to allow, you know, to... to so that you can actually hire that, you know, have that service or you have it in your building or, you know, like in Austria, you get two years off when you have a child because that's amazing. Amazing. Um, (laughs) Incredible. What? (laughs) And do you get paid when you get it? Like if you're off for two years, do they they get paid? Yeah. Jesus. That's like mad. Yeah. In Ireland, it's six months. Mm hmm. Which isn't bad, I suppose, you know, way more than we get here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like six months is quite good. It used to be three months and now it's six months, which is quite good, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's three months you know? in the States, I think. Right, Lisa? I think so. Yeah, depending. Yeah. Wow. At the most, I would say, probably. Yeah, I think six six weeks, some people only get six yeah. weeks. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's it's crazy. crazy. It is. It's crazy. It is. Once you have a kid, you're like, wait, what you want me to go back to work are you insane like i know oh my yeah. god yeah i completely yeah yeah yeah, yeah because they just they need you so much and you need them especially if you're breastfeeding i mean maybe that's a taboo thing to talk yeah. about but like you know like right your body physically needs them to be there with you because otherwise yeah, you're going to exactly. explode so yeah you know and literally like literally <laughs> yeah. like i'm gonna yeah. be on this stage and there's gonna be a problem so yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly completely exactly yeah. yeah yeah that's an interesting one all right yeah 
Well, how, how, I want to know a little bit more about your experience when you were, um, well, just with this tour and, and what brought you, because we talked about this a little bit before, but I'd love to just sort of unpack yeah. it here about your yeah. experience and what, what took you back to, to Ireland and, and yeah. Yeah. So I suppose I was, um, saying it there earlier that, um, like I lived in London for seven years um, and then because my now husband, you know, we met and then he had, you know, he has older kids. So in order for us to, you know, make a life together, it was always going to be that I would have to be the one to move back to Ireland because, you know, Tony was never wanted to be away from his kids, you know, um, or living in a different country. It just wouldn't have worked. And uh, and also he has a very good professorship in the Royal Irish Academy of Music here. So, um, which is kind of a real job. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so then, so I moved back to Ireland in 2012 and we got married that year. And, you know, we've just kind of set up obviously life here. Uh, but since, the, you know, I did travel back and forth quite a lot to the UK for the first, I suppose the first two years. And then, you know, more sporadically, you know, once I had kids and stuff, um, I did do a bit, I have to say, but yeah, so that's really why I suppose why I'm back in Ireland. But I'm really happy I did that. I'm really happy I moved back when I did. I didn't realize at the time, I suppose, that how important it it, it was going to be to. I just I'm really happy to be in Ireland. I have to say, hmm. you know. And that's such a so beautiful thing to be able to say, right? Like yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. And, yeah. yeah, I think it was the right time. You know, even at the time, there was a part of me worried that it was too premature on some levels for where I was at with my, my career and stuff but I think it actually was the right time and sometimes it takes time to realize that as well you know mm -hmm. so yeah so and it just gave me a great chance to also I suppose establish myself here um you know both as a singer and you know I do some teaching as well which I really like I teach in the in the conservatory of music and drama in Dublin as well here um so it's it's from that point of view it's given me a, a balance as well in life which is great elisa and i were talking earlier a little bit about teaching and like it, it really is such an energizing thing isn't it yeah completely yeah yeah and i how, really enjoy it how do you say. find your students there like as far as like how do you yes. find them in, like emotionally connecting to the process yeah, yeah. It, well i just think i think you know for it's really interesting like teaching in the conservatory it's great because they're all degree students so they've all chosen to do music performance so they're quite passionate about it but it's really interesting I have this girl who's in fourth year of her like BA performance degree mm -hmm. so she's obviously her majoring is in in opera and it's really interesting because she she finds it really hard to connect emotionally with the pieces because she just doesn't want to tap into her own emotions, if you know what mm. I mean, because she doesn't. Mm. Mm -hmm. So what she does is she basically, uh, so what we've created is that she creates pictures instead, like creates a film of pictures in order for her to connect. If she doesn't want to connect on a, I suppose, on a, what's the word I'm looking for? On personal? an individual level. Yeah, on a personal level, then we have to find a way that there is some connection so the only way we could break any barriers was by by creating these kind of films of all the different, you know, pieces she's singing and stuff like that. And that's mm. kind of, that's worked for me. I think the most effective is to actually connect personally. But I think there is a lot of 
barriers there for her just through life. And I don't want to be the one to push her too much either or, you know, because I don't want it to become a traumatic thing for her. So we've just found a happy medium that works for now, you know, because she's an incredible singer. So and I just sometimes say to her, you know, what's missing is like colours and, you know, just trying to get inside the music more. So and then when she kind of started to create the film of pictures and all that and connect with that way, it did. It has really improved, you know, Hmm. but it's very interesting. That's great that you found a workaround, though. Because yeah. some people just need, you know, baby steps. They need milk before meat and to find sort of a a, a gateway into um, yeah, well, that's something true. that's yeah. more difficult. Well, I only learned that myself because when I was uh, in London studying, we worked as a performance psychologist a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, she used to do it a lot with like and it was, it was just a technique I learned from her. You know, and actually at the time, I suppose you don't realize how valuable all this stuff you, you are learning that will be so effective for your own teaching down the road. But she's yeah. just, she was just a she's a genius woman, actually. She's amazing. And mm. I learned a lot from her just from from the point of view of performance techniques and, you know, just tools that, that you can use really well sometimes maybe when you're not feeling the most, you know, the strongest emotionally or where you feel you just can't tap into something, you know. So and mm-hmm. I, just, I just I always believe that there has to be a way around, you know, it's just to yeah. find the right one well, is the a, thing. That's a really interesting idea. I I think for myself, like, um, yeah. I feel like I always go to the emotion. Like, like that's that for me, that's like the easiest part. It's, it's, yeah, I I'd feel, be a bit like you as well, I have to say. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I feel this thing. It's very clear to me what it is, and I go there. But often you have to be careful with that because you can't get choked up when the character gets choked up because exactly. you can't that's think. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, two and, words Swarangelica. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. true. Yeah. I just remember my teacher once in London saying to me, I, I can't remember what it was. Um, I think it was when I was learning the role of Tosca or something. And I just was really, you know, like, it's just so emotional. And she just said to me, you know, you need to, she was, she's really, really black and white. She's like, okay, you really need to get over this now because mm-hmm. it's not your job to be, it's not your job to cry on, you know, it's, it's, it's the listener and, and the, you know, the, the, the people that are watching, you know, it's their job to feel it. If you, you cannot be so self-indulgent, like she was so mm-hmm. hard, but it was really, and actually when she said that to me, I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I should just get all of this out of my system now and then, you know, find a way, you know, but um, she was really straight with me about it because she's like, if you do it this way, you're never going to sing it to the best, you know, technically that you can sing it as well. So you have to find a balance between both. Yeah. yeah. And that balance, I think, is what's such a struggle from like, yeah, because such a struggle. I've, I've, like some of the teachers here have talked a lot about this. They'll say, you know, the voice has to always be positive. And like we mentioned the swar, swar, in Swar Angelica, right? You have this aria that you're singing to the, yeah. the, the death of a child. Like you're saying, you know, with without without me, you breathed your last. Like, how do you say that as a mother without having it like completely break you? Um, completely yeah but yeah it's really tricky actually but this um but I love this idea of you know if something is too close to you then you paint a story in your mind and then you tell that story that you've painted in your mind exactly 
Yeah, that's exactly it. Instead of living through it, you, you just, you know, convey the emotion just become the, the teller basically yeah, or the, you, you know the, the narrator. narrator it's right. almost like song yeah, yeah. exactly yeah huh yeah interesting yeah yeah so and yeah it's an interesting one all right that's cool yeah yeah it's i i'll just say two words about this too because i had the a similar experience with my mentor at the time um when i was seeing the role of Swarangelica angelica and I just was so emotional about it and and not ever having been had a child of my own, but, um, just, uh, yeah, I still, you know, I just empathy and just feeling like, Oh my gosh, like how would I deal with this and this news and this whole situation. And, um, and he said to me, when you're feeling it that strongly and when you're having this breakdown, essentially emotionally and crying, and whatever we can't feel it, and so it's uh, that was always sort of this strange conundrum for me because I was like, okay, yeah. so how do I how do I um, act it or embody it or pre- present it in some way so that the audience is able to connect with it? And the truth is, yeah. that the the words are enough. The words and the music are enough. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't take me, you know convulsing or like doubled over in pain or you know to to be able to convey in fact sometimes that that tenderness of emotion comes comes um across more purely when there's stillness yeah exactly like less is more I think sometimes that's the thing about it and and that sometimes it's really hard for us to realize I think you know but I, I I kind of I agree there with the music and the the music and the text and everything else. I mean, that's sometimes simplicity is everything, you know? Mm. Yeah. I, I was watching today, I was watching a masterclass with um, Krista Ludwig because I was listening to her oh, sing Componist and going like, okay, okay, I can do that. Yeah. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but um, I was watching okay. her give this masterclass in German and I was understanding a lot of it, which was also kind of a win. But she was teaching. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she was um, <laughs> she was coaching this um, young mezzo on the Strauss piece Morgan, which mm-hmm. uh, which I feel like everyone loves because what's not to love about that yeah. song, right? Yeah, it's yeah. amazing piece. It really is. And what I loved now, I've seen Krista Ludwig teach a couple of times. And every time I have to kind of grab whatever chair I'm sitting on and pinch because I have a lot of thoughts about the way that one gives information um, in, you know, when you're working with an individual person on a piece, but yeah. you have an audience. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have, but there's that, but on the positive side, I love that she, sorry. She began, Rachel hates master classes. I do. Okay, sorry. I yeah, Marie, it for you. Marie, this is the thing about me is that I kind of hate master classes. Yeah. I'm not a lover of them myself now. I, I have to say as well. I, I, I feel like, I feel like master classes would be great if it really was just you and the master. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. But whenever there's an audience, especially if the master is a little bit older, 
and hasn't just been performing. A bit of a performance. Yeah, it yeah, becomes exactly. a performance for them and you at the expense of the singer, I feel. Yeah. Um, oh, completely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but yet the information that they have is so, it's invaluable. Like, and I see that's the thing. So that's sometimes thing. you just got to suck it up. Yeah, you got to yeah, suck it up of... and be like, all right, I'm not going to respond to this, yeah. even though the redheaded me yeah. is like, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. But what I loved yeah, about Yeah, I know. It, right? <laughs> Sorry, Sorry Kareja, go on there. No, yeah. no, 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 go ahead. Say what you want. No, no, I know. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm just, I, I was just going to say to you that um, I did, I sung a masterclass like years ago, like it's a long time ago, and Ileana Crotterbat was the um, soprano giving it. I'm sure you've heard of Ileana Crotterbat. Oh, yes. She's such a cow. She was so horrible to me. I was singing Mimi. <sighs> And I was singing Me Kiamano with me and at the time my hair was probably much blonder than you when you saw me, Rachel. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said to me at the time, oh, you may be blonde, you may be beautiful. It doesn't make your voice beautiful. She was such a cow. <sighs> I was supposed to have classes with her for the whole week this week. Like that whole week she was giving mass classes uh, for the whole week. And because I was the only soprano that was singing the repertoire that she would have sung in her day, like I was put on to be singing every day. So after the first day, I just went to the head of the college and I just said no I said I'm not singing for the rest of the week I said I don't care who she is I, I, I actually don't care she slapped like she basically physically slapped me a few times in, in a master class and I just Where? I was so it was in, in Wales in the UK I, in no Wales. I mean on your face where did she slap you <laughs> oh, yeah oh yeah she slapped me in the face once and oh the other time was on the arm yeah and uh, so in the end I just said oh, I just goodness. said to you that, I said to the uh, the head of the university, I was like, I'm not, I said, I'm sorry, I'm done. I said, I'm going home for the week to Ireland and I'll be back next week. I said, I'm just not doing it. I said, no person Good should for be you. another human being like that. They were, they were so livid that I wouldn't sing. And she was really put out. She's like, apparently the next day she said, oh, where's the soprano today? And I just didn't, I was like, no, thanks. I'm off. Good for you. Oh, she was such a bully. Exactly. That's the word, isn't it? It's the bullying. It's like, and and, and here's the thing. It's like, yes, of course you have so much more information. Yes, of course your interpretation of this is going to be so much more layered than anything that I can present at this point in my development. Of course. Of course. course. But that's why you go to a master. It's because yeah, you but it want... doesn't make you a better person than no, me just because you know right. more information than I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, having having pride in you know in something that it, it, you just shouldn't, you just don't need to have pride in that. Like right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's 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 a gift. It's and I guess that's for me. I come from this place where music music is such a such a sacred thing because yeah, as one who cannot write music and when I hang out with friends that are composers and they just start like speaking in melodies you know they're able to say like pull these things just you know out of the air I'm like yep there is a god one and two like he gave you that gift and he didn't give it to me (laughs) um yeah yeah, I know what you mean though yeah yeah and yeah and I feel like but I do yeah. I, like. I also just want to say that I do think there are um, there are specific singers out there that when they do give masterclass, it is actually all about the singer yes. and not about the master. 
the student will say or whatever, you know, what I mean, I don't always like to use the word student, but it's all, you know, we'll say the developer, the sing. Yeah, the, the, one, sing. the one singing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, there are those people out there as well, in fairness. So and that's when not you go to those master classes, I feel like when you have those experiences, you're like, oh, it's like this it, it's a wonderful meal it's a it's it's a sense of communion it's a sense of like it's refreshing yeah it's so yeah. refreshing because it's yeah. it's um it really is such a gift yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's it's interesting it's so funny that we've all obviously trained in different places and in different countries and yet an awful lot of our experiences are so similar isn't it yeah yeah it is fascinating actually because um, yeah. that's something yeah. that I was wondering, like, how how was your education? So we've talked a little bit, Elisa and I have talked in the past a little bit about how, you know, the difference between a university um, education in the States yeah. versus a conservatory education in the States. But what what is a, because you were at the Royal Conservatory. Um, yeah, in, so I was in the, like, in the academy in Dublin first, in the yeah. Royal Arch Academy, and that's a very small, like, that's a conservatory. And then I went from there to London to the National Opera Studio. Mm-hmm. And that's where like there's 12 singers every year that do the opera studio. And then I went straight from there to English National Opera on a young artist program for wow. three years. So so like I suppose from my point of view, like I had a very like I had a really, I suppose, positive kind of journey on on so many levels. The, mm-hmm. I think the most negative part of it was um my teacher in Ireland, who who is amazing, is a very famous Dr. Veronica Dunn. There's a very famous international singing competition in Ireland called the Veronica Dunn Singing Competition. She was my teacher here. And she she's now 90 and she's still teaching. Like she's a kind of wow. a, she's a, living, a living legend. But she she is she's a good teacher. But if you have a bigger voice, like she pushed she pushed the living daylights out of my voice yeah. because it was a bigger and I was too young like at the age of 21 she had me singing the Salce from you know Othello you know so stuff like that so and I kind of just instinctively knew okay this doesn't feel right maybe I need to go and you know have a consultation lesson with somebody else and I did that and it was my time for me to leave the academy but she never really got over me leaving her and that was really sad I really you know and this to this day even now when I see her you know it's I just I find it really sad because you know she taught me so much and yet she just couldn't when the time came she couldn't really let me let go, go on some levels yeah. and I just think that's so many teachers out there like that it's so and now that I teach myself I just think it's so unhealthy to think that you own a student but I know there's an awful lot of teachers out there that think that absolutely but... no when I left a teacher um, at Manhattan School of Music that I'd been working with for a couple of years um, yeah. Her response to me was, "What will I tell people, Rachel? What am I going to say?" What? And yeah, <laughs> literally, literally, that's what she said to me. And I was like, "I don't know. What are you going to tell people? Like, I just can't study with you anymore because I don't want to sound like everybody else in your studio because that's what happens. Um, yeah, that's everyone develops a certain sound. You know, that's." That happens, I think, you know, there's some teachers that they like a certain sound and so they create it within each of their students, even if it's not naturally yeah. what God gave yeah. them. And mm-hmm. when I, and at 20, I realized that. And so I just, you know, decided, and plus, you know, there were all kinds of, you know, things that were said in lessons that were really abusive and, and difficult yeah. and, and, 
you know, but, yeah. but yeah, that it is that ownership thing. And yeah, it's just so it's not right. It's it, just a it, bit it's so like that as well. My, yeah, my, my teacher in Ireland would have, she would have taught us our, you know, on reverse psychology. So she would tell you the whole time that you're really shit. Like right. that's completely shit. I'm just like, so I used to come out of my, but I was kind of stubborn. So the more she told me I was shit, the more I wanted to be better. Yes. Where there was other students that she used to do that to, and she completely crushed them, like destroyed them. Yes. Whereas I would just be a bit too stubborn for that. Yes. Absolutely. And that's just really damaging on, on so many levels for, mm-hmm. you know, for people that have not, that, that just don't, don't re- react well to that kind of teaching, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Well, and, and it's so interesting because I feel like, um, I'm similar in the sense that I was also very stubborn. And so, but, but instead of, I mean, I would still keep showing up and I would still keep working and I would, st- you know, and then eventually she would say something like, well, you could sing that with the best of them. But then I didn't believe her. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Right? Yeah. Yep. Sounds very similar. <laughs> interesting. That's so funny. Wow. Yeah. I had a teacher... Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, sh- um, I'm trying to think how I can say tell this story without <laughs> making it obvious who I'm talking about. Um, but I, when it came time for me, I really, when I felt like I, it was time for me to move on, I was terrified. Like I remember just feeling like cold shivers up my spine when I thought about telling her these words, like I'm going to oh stop gosh. coming to you for voice lessons every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just couldn't actually, I never really got to the point where I felt like it would be safe for me to do that. Um, yeah. and, and so other things kind of took place, including me moving for a while, um, that kind of, kind of helped the transition to happen organically without me having to actually break up with her. But um, it's a breakup. It's a breakup. It, breakup. Yeah, it is a breakup. It really is. And I, I had only been studying with her for maybe two or three years um, at the most. But it was just, I just could, it, it, like in my soul, I could feel that if I were to say those words, it would not end well. Like I just, could, I was just like, I don't want to put myself in that situation. So, and oh it ended gosh. up working out otherwise. But I, yeah, as a teacher myself now, I mean, I'm still fairly new, um, but I'm growing my studio and I have, I don't know, 10 students or, um, and soon we'll have about a dozen or something and young people and who look to me, you know, as an authority and who trust me and I cannot imagine putting them in a position where they would be afraid to tell me that they either don't want to take lessons anymore or want to study with someone different or, you know, yeah. I mean, so that's it, also because you've been through that yourself and you get that. Yeah. You know what I mean, and I mean, maybe some of the older teachers would have been like that as well. And I don't know. And maybe they just forgot. Hmm. Who knows? It's hard to know, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's strange. Yeah. I don't know what motivates that. I don't know if it's ego or if it's, I think it's ego. Yeah. yeah, I think it's ego and I think it's also about um, the amount of time and effort they put into you. But I mean, that's the nature of being a teacher. You know, you don't own anybody. You know, that's the way I would look at it, even with students now. You know, I don't own my students like they come to me to learn. And if I can help them and, you know, help them to grow in, in, the, in a great and a positive way, well, that's brilliant. But I don't believe on any level that I'm going to be able to teach them everything. You know what I mean? There's no way you could. Yeah. And yeah. there's no way anyone could. And, and I think that's really, 
it's probably really good to be able to recognize that. And I actually think um, also, and it's something that they're bringing in the conservatory here where I teach is like collaborative teaching is it cannot often be really effective as well where you know a student yeah. if a student feels like oh you know I'd like to go to Marie Buick you know to work on opera and I really would like to go to say for it's another teacher Sinead Campbell and work on all my art song and leader and you know because they and then they can get the best of everything from so many different teachers you know yes yes so I love that concept that's a wonderful idea mm-hmm. share and share alike mm-hmm. And we as, exactly. as, as professionals and as teachers, you know, who've been through, you know, uh, however many decades of this um, already, we, yeah, we have so much to learn from each other still. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no way that what I know and, you know, or what you know, that there's going to be things that you, that, that you guys know that I don't know and vice versa. And isn't it such a great thing if you can learn from each other and not be, and not l- allow egos and whatever else to just get in the way of the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. In fact, Sorry, okay. you, you, Rachel, I'll remember. I, was, I just had this analogy that came to my mind. Like, imagine if you were building a house and you decided, I'm just going to have one person that does it all. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to pour the foundation. They're going to, you know, they're going to write up all of the architecture plans. They are going to pick out my windows. They're going to do everything. Just a one-stop yeah. shop. And the thing is, yeah. I think in our world that we live in, I feel like we kind of like one-stop shops. We like to be able to pull yeah. into the mall and take care of everything convenient. in three hours, right? It's more convenient. But yeah. if you're really crafting an instrument, if you're really building a house... There's no way that you can do that if and with with yeah, one person, exactly. right? Yeah. I was in this show and it was very so it was billed as being like uh, it was it, it was said to be um I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Nobody cares. Um it was billed to be Santa Monica Civic Light Opera. Doesn't that sound nice? Doesn't that yeah. sound like something real? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it does. Well, it kind of it kind of wasn't as it turns out. Um it was it was so interesting because it was like a high school production that they did over the summer of The Sound of Music, which apparently nobody in Europe has seen but everyone in America has. Um <laughs> particularly not those in Austria. Yes, They're exactly. Crazy. Austrians are like, "No, we don't we don't watch that we film don't. on purpose." So funny. <laughs> but um but yeah, I've I, seen it. So I, I just, <laughs> okay. Wait, what? What? She's seen it. Oh yes, you have seen it. It's really lovely, isn't it? Lovely. Yeah. It's lovely. Yeah, I love it. And it's yeah. definitely like an American's version of an, especially now as I've lived here. I'm like, okay, this is definitely these are not Austrians, you know. But that's okay. Yeah. It is. It's beautiful, and it's and it's these are you know the beautiful mountains of Austria. Anyway, so I was in the Santa Monica Civic Light Opera's production of The Sound of Music. And I showed up to, you know, to, to be in the show, and it became very clear to me very quickly that the majority of the people in the show were high schoolers, which, I mean, granted, there are a lot of children in the show, but I'm talking, like, pretty much everyone, except like the for, nuns. <laughs> except, well, the, the nuns were all 
high schoolers and me because I, I basically negotiated even though, because it was still a call for equity actors. Like these were, they were asking for people yeah. to be in their main roles that were equity actors. And they, they hired, um, the captain Von Trapp was an equity guy and the girl that they got for Maria. And I was like, well, you don't want me for Maria. Like, what's that about? And, you know, because I, you know, I'm a prideful person and I want to be in the lead role. Um, and they, and they said, well, you know, we didn't know that you were, that someone like you would audition. And that was something that was said to me. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, isn't this a professional job? And, and then I show up and realize, oh, it's, obviously it's only political. Kind of, it, sorry, say what? It was obviously purely political. Yes, exactly. It was exactly. It was very much yeah. a political thing. So I said, okay, yeah. well, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be in this position of being in this show, that is kind of not really a professional show, then I want to be two roles. So I asked to be Mother Superior, and also um, Elsa. So both these yeah. different characters, because they're never on stage at the same time. All of this to say, like, this whole experience and, like, you know, again, my wounded pride, like, I wanted this to be a certain kind of experience. But what I realized was that my whole purpose in doing this show was actually to be a uh, mentor to these young kids, especially these girls in this show. Um, yeah. You know, I, was, I wasn't that much older than them. You know, I was maybe, like, maybe five or six years older, but... But that was enough. Like I'd been through college and, you know, I, I'm a professional working singer and, and. That would have been very effective for them. You see to have somebody like you. So, yeah, it was, and it was really interesting. It was a very humbling thing because I remember, I remember like being in the dressing room or being, you know, somewhere during rehearsal, just being like, like, what am I doing? And then like, just feeling this really strong impression, like you, this is not about you. You know, this is, this is about what you can be in the lives of other people. And, and I feel like, and and that was like a really, really important thing for me to realize. It's like, we, we are all here for each other. Like to, to write, it kind of goes back to one of the first things we were talking about, like, can you make something better or make something worse? So what kind of influence do we want to have? And, and I, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. You can just never know when you're, when you get into these productions, what's behind anything. <laughs> yeah. Now you're getting ready to do, to do a big, a big, you're going to be singing for a company coming up here pretty soon, I think, right? I, Rita was mentioning something to me about you have this contract to be singing. Is that? Me. Yeah. In Vienna? Oh, I don't think in Vienna. No, somewhere she was mentioning it back, I think back home where you are, and that it was something exciting that you would be doing. And Oh, there's a new, yeah, so there's a new Irish National Opera Company in Ireland awesome. that has just been launched. But but at the moment, I mean, they there's no, I mean, it's all very new at the moment, so there's not a huge amount of casting that has happened just yet. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's all kind of hush hush you know it's it's interesting we're all just waiting to see what's going to happen you know mm-hmm. and what they they're still waiting yeah. yeah and they're all waiting for funding to come through and you know this kind of stuff but I mean and it's also very interesting talking about politics and stuff 
you know, who he's going to cast. And it's just one of those really interesting things. I did, I did have a meeting with him uh, quite recently and, you know, and as like, he had no idea that I had sung abroad so much. And because if you live in Ireland, they kind of just think, oh, well, you know, she lives here. So therefore we'll now hire somebody abroad. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. kind of thing. Oh, of course. Yes. You know, we can't. Same applies to Utah. Or, or, yeah. yeah. Or, and I mean, a lot of other places. Anywhere that you live, it's like, you know, we want to hire people. It's, it's more exotic. We don't live here. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So there's a few things in the, you know, in the pipeline. So we're just waiting to hear whether it actually materializes or not. I kind of believe it when I see it, if you know what I mean. Of course, until the contract is in hand or actually until the money is in your account. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Until the check is cleared. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a precarious world we live in. I'll I'll keep you posted on that Please do, because that's exciting. It's always exciting when a new company sort of emerges because they, they have such fire. I feel like. Well, see, Ireland, Ireland don't, Ireland doesn't have any national opera company up until now. That's really exciting. There's no, there's no opera company that does a full season in Ireland. Mm-hmm. It's shocking, really, but wow. considering there's no opera singers, so there are brilliant orchestras shocking. in Ireland. Yeah, the symphony orchestra and the concert orchestra, and they are really amazing orchestras. Like I would do a lot of work with them. But like as regards opera companies, it's always been a bit of a disaster here. So it's also because it's such a small country, like in a small island, Ireland is. But it's just often, you know, money isn't divided in a very fair way in the arts here. And it's it's hopefully getting better now. So it'll, it just, it'll be just really interesting to see how all of this, you know, unveils in the next year or so and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I, I'll keep you posted. Please do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Yeah. So, what's yeah. your closest opportunity to sing opera then, from where you live now? London. Okay. Yeah. And and how? Yeah. Uh, what is it like to get there? Do you get on a train? No. So you've got to fly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, it's only it's like close. a fifty. 50 yeah. minute flight 50 okay. yeah so it's mm-hmm. really close yeah. yeah so it's fine you know and I mean any every place in Europe is like two hours so it's completely fine yeah it's isn't so that nice, nice. it's yeah. so cool it's you're amazing. there too Rachel I am and I, I love that in fact I'm going to Budapest tomorrow so oh my gosh yeah fantastic yeah just yourself or the family the family we're all gonna go Adam's going to get lugged around to a bunch of museums. He's going to love that. As long as we balance it out with churches that have plenty of candles, he'll be fine. Because he loves going to churches with candles. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be dying to find out how. I've never been to Budapest, so it'd be interesting. interesting I will let you know. Yeah. Well, this is really fun, you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Not at all. Anytime. This is great. Yeah. If I could be Wonderful. of any help at any time, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, and this was a so, really a really nice sort of opening, sort of talking about, like, what is it like being a mom in the arts and as an opera singer and talking about sort of where things are in the business and experiences. So it was really, really cool. 